Father God, Lord, I thank, I thank you for today, God. And Lord, I just pray that you would fill us afresh today, Holy Spirit. Lord, that our hearts would be open to you, God, today. Lord, that, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and fill me afresh. Lord, just speak through me, Lord, as I share. God, and I pray for each of the people here, each of the situations that we're in, God, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that you would speak to deep inside us, Lord. Lord, that we would hear the word today and it would impact our lives. We would make a change, God, that it would impact the lives of those around us, God, and that we would see this world change slightly. We'd see the dial shift a little bit, God. Lord, I pray that people that have come in here on one level, God, would be going out on another level, God, just so excited about this life we get to live with you. In your name. Amen. So guys, we've, um, the last couple of weeks, I came back from uh, the UK and we were talking a lot about vision and moving in vision. The first kind of one was about, you know, are you available? Does, can God do something with you? The second one was about stepping out into the deep, stepping out on that, on that journey. Prior to me going away, and John was with you guys the week before whilst I was in the UK, um, we'd been doing this series called Acts, and we're going to carry on with the Acts series. And you, got, you may remember where we kind of left off summarizing some of that, that, those first 12 chapters is end of chapter 12, and it's a pivot point in the book where you've got the first part, which is sort of church in Jerusalem, then this transitional time of... Uh, persecution and the the gospel breaking out from from, from um, just from, from Jerusalem and go, going out further afield and then we hit this point in um, Acts 13 where it really begins focusing on Paul and Paul's missionary journeys the gospel really spreading into the Gentile lands and that's kind of where we're picking it up today and using it, though, as a little bit of a lesson following on from what we've spoken about to do with stepping out on endeavors, on adventures with God. So it's lessons from Paul, lessons from his life and, and his journey. Today is Cyprus. Sarah may be thinking, how are we getting the Holy Spirit, James? Because I told Sarah, you know, today's really the bulk of it is about the Holy Spirit. But we'll get to that in about an hour or so. No, just joking. So, um, <laughs> Paul is this crazy guy, isn't he? If you think about it, like the Bible can sometimes read and it depends on the translation and you read and it seems very kind of da-da-da-da-da and it's going through. But actually, you know, we first meet Paul at an execution, Saul at the time, right? We meet him, he's introduced an execution and it's the execution of Stephen, isn't it? And so he's there um, presiding over this execution. They're laying there, the coats at his feet. He, he approves of it. And then he's so zealous about persecuting the church. He goes around, he goes to the chief priest and asks for permission to pursue the guys, to pursue followers of the way further outside Jerusalem. He goes out and um, it's on the Damascus Road where he's going there to arrest followers of the way that suddenly this white light flashes around him. God appears to him and he falls to the floor and it's that moment that he has his whole conversion experience, loses his sight, gets taken, in, gets taken into Damascus. And then that sets him on this whole journey of the ending up in Jerusalem where he actually faces persecution and then flees and goes home. So that's kind of where we left Paul when we were studying Acts. And he was at home, wasn't he? He, was at, he went home to Tarsus. So he was in Tarsus. And we see Barnabas... 
he goes from Antioch. Barnabas is sent up to Antioch to help these new Gentile believers come into faith. He goes up there to work with the church there, and he goes off to find Paul, who he's met, or Saul at the time. And he goes over to, um, to Tarsus, gets Paul, Saul, and bring. There's a lot of funny names in this, mixing names, people with multiple names. So, so he, gets, he gets Saul and brings him back to Antioch. Antioch, some of you guys may remember, it's this amazing city. We, we can so often not think about Antioch because Antioch doesn't have a book, does it? It doesn't have like the Antiochians. There's, not a, there's Ephesians, and we remember Ephesians, Corinthians, Galatians, all these guys, because they've got their own books. But the Antioch doesn't have its book, but a massive church. It is the church for the area. You know, from Antioch, because that's where Paul's sent from, that's the base, that's the missional base. From Antioch, so many churches around the world at the time were planted. And it's not just any city, Antioch. It's the third city of the Roman Empire after Rome and Alexandria in importance, in size. It's a huge, huge deal. It's this gateway for the Romans to the east. It's the border town. The garrisons are there. It defends against all the empires to the east. But God uses it as this gateway into the west. And so here's this man, Paul, stepping out into the deep, stepping out now with Barnabas into something just crazy, you know, no WhatsApp to check on how things are going. He's stepping out into the unknown. And just as I've spoken about over the past couple of weeks, he's stepping out into this thing that God's called him to, stepping out into the deep with God. And so, you know, sometimes we maybe read kind of Paul's journeys and things like that and think, you know, there's a distance from us to to, to relate because we're not maybe some of us maybe some of us are here called but a lot of people aren't called to go you know and be an apostle a traveling apostle going around setting up churches but we are all called to be moving in God and pursuing the things that God's called us into so today we are going to be focusing on on Acts 13 just verses 1 to 12 and so these verses tell of Barnabas and Paul in Cyprus Okay, hence the title, Cyprus. We're just hanging out in Cyprus today. Is it Ayanapa that's in Cyprus? Lots changed. I'm going to share three lessons then from this, teach us about stepping out in God. So the first one, just read this verse. It says, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And see, guys, really the goal that I want you guys to get from here is this thing of having community, even if they're not with you, surrounding you in whatever you're going out to do. I love this picture of the Church of Antioch as well. That It's not just like a community of one type of person. It is so varied. You've got people from Libya. Cyrene is kind of in, in, in Libya area. You've got people of different classes. You've got this guy, Mannion, who's been kind of like the adopted brother or the been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. I mean, this guy's like his political classes with normal people all together in one church. That's this beautiful picture of church, all nationalities, all races, all kinds of people all together. Criminals and policemen sat, sat side by side, you know. So the Lord calls 
And this is a great thing to see. See, the Lord here, he calls Paul and Barnabas, he directs them, but it's the community of the church that surround them and look, like protect them and lay their hands on them and send them out. And on one hand, it's not Paul and Barnabas saying, God's given me like this mighty calling. Shut up, you guys. God's given me this calling. We're going. See you guys later. And they just go off in their own strength and pride and go and do this thing. But also, it's not the church is in charge of them and domineering them and lording it over them. And it's this beautiful thing of humility and walking with God. And spiritually, it's like these guys in the church, they send them with their blessing, lay hands on these guys and see them go out. Now, how many of you guys know when that boat goes over the horizon, they're still praying for them. They're still thinking of them. They're still lifting them up. What God has called us, whatever it is, to go and do, we need to be doing it with a community of people who's praying for you, who's lifting you up, who's raising you in your endeavor. Maybe people who are advising you, who are holding you accountable as well. That's a really important thing, especially if it's a ministry thing you feel called to, holding you accountable. Who are you accountable to? It's not about going in alone, doing it in our own skill. You know, when Jess and I came out here to Hong Kong, this picture is actually very similar to what happened to us. We had, we, we felt God was calling us to, to come here, prayed with other leaders. They, 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 felt, they felt that was right. We waited for prophetic words to say, come. But then when we came, we didn't just kind of drift off one night. They prayed over us. They laid hands on us and sent us here. Has anyone like officially been out to visit? There's been some folk come, but has anyone officially been to kind of help and do stuff here? No. Are they kind of with us on the ground doing the work? No. But are they praying for us? Definitely. Are they, are they encouraging us? Are they with us on the journey? You know, quite regularly, I get messages from Pete back, back in Edinburgh to encourage me. You can do it. You're doing it like brilliantly. Keep going. And, and it's those kind of people that we need around us in whatever we're doing. As a picture, you know, at Destiny Churches, we're not independent churches and we're not dependent churches either. We're interdependent churches. So like a family together where you have father, son, sister, brother, mother, people at different stages, different ages. But like a family, we're interdependent. And so, guys, I encourage you, with safe people, share your vision. People who can pray with you, who can be with you. Not the team you're doing it with necessarily, but the people that can hold you through it. Point two, use your head. This is a great one. Use your head. Verse four onwards, it says, The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. John is also Mark. This is other, one of the other split names. John, John Mark. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. So, uh, if I just cut saying John Mark out, that will save about 30 minutes from the sermon. So um, do you notice here, guys, a few things? He calls them to go off, he's to send them out, but he doesn't give them specifics as far as we know on where to go. And you know, actually, sometimes God says very prescriptive, very directive, go do this. But sometimes... He doesn't. And it's about using our head and working with him. And that's part of the joy and adventure, you know. That's part of the joy of actually living with God. Whereas God calls us into these God-given callings, 
We need to use our head. If you think about Eliana, I give her a pencil, okay? If I do all the drawing for her, or I tell her, draw, draw me a flower, draw me a flower now all the time, or draw me this, draw me that, then it's okay. But how awesome is it for me if she uses this pencil and she learns how to use it better and better, and then she comes to me one day and say, look, Daddy, look what I did. Look, look, look what I decided to draw there. You know, it would make me proud. And there's some element in there where actually... God's given each of us brains. And sometimes we don't feel like we've got them. Sometimes we meet people and it doesn't feel like God's given them a brain. But, you know, we've all been given a brain, most definitely. We have a brain. And it's, we actually, there's a thing that we glorify God when we use it, when we use it well. It honors him. So we can still do things for God and still use our heads. So... They start by going to Cyprus. What is it that's actually going on? Okay. Why, why do I say that they're using their heads going to Cyprus? Well, first off, it's close. They go down to Seleucia, and then from there, you can actually see the mountains of Cyprus. It's not like they say, I've got a great idea. Let's go to Spain. I've heard of some place called Spain over there. You know, nice tapas. We're going to start as far away as humanly possible. Then we're going to go here, then there. Baby steps. It's just like, it's just there. And then also, where's Barnabas from? Barnabas is a Cypriot. He's from Cyprus, and he's the kinsman of Mark John, okay? He's the kinsman of the guy with them helping that. These guys, they know where they're going. They know the landscape. They know the people. They know the customs. They know the culture. They have existing relationships that are already there. It just makes sense to start off this kind of crazy endeavor by going to Cyprus to speak to those people. So sometimes the danger we can find sometimes in Christianity, is that we can spiritualize stuff to such a degree sometimes, or unnecessarily, where we end up just doing nut stuff, when just doing the common sense thing would be very awesome and very godly. So they, these guys, they start by landing at Salamis, bucket load of ports down the East Coast. This one is probably the largest, so maybe just by default where they went there. It's the old Grecian capital, but more than that, you know, this, this city of Salamis, it was the big trading port of the island. It had a high population of Jews there. And so because of that, it had more than one synagogue. Most places just have one synagogue. It had multiple synagogues. So do you remember in the verses, it says they went and preached in the synagogues. Instead of often, you see Paul goes to a town and preaches in the synagogue. Okay? And so he preaches around the different synagogues. And even in that, there's this strategy because even though they've gone there to witness to the Gentiles, a lot of these synagogues, they had Hellenic Jews within them, and also they had proselytes in them. Now, some of you guys will remember from the previous, previous ones that you could get Gentile believers who would just believe certain aspects of faith, um, of the Jewish faith, and follow that. That's like Cornelius. He was a believer, not a proselyte. But then you'd have proselytes who went the whole way. They followed everything. They got circumcised and, and did everything, you know. So you'd have these guys, but they had a community amongst everybody that, that's there in their Gentile communities that they were seeing all the time. And so the gospel would have naturally flowed through these guys. There was this kind of strategy that they were putting in place. And another reason 
foregoing there is that actually outside of outside of Jerusalem or outside of Israel, apart from Antioch, Cyprus had been evangelized very heavily. And so there's a lot of receptivity to the gospel. And the last kind of thing within this point I just want to say is we read there, John was with them as a helper, wasn't he? Sometimes we can maybe think we can do it all ourselves, but actually it's fine and it's sensible to get help. You need help. Whatever you're doing, you need help. Even the great Paul, you know, he's just like missionary just for years. He needed help. This is the, I think this is a key thing to remember that we need help. Look, Paul and Barnabas here, they have Mark, John, whatever you want to call him. And then even, even later on, they've got guys like Silas, Paul has Silas traveling with him. We would not be here without you guys, people who serve doing different things. People forget about just the church service, just like support us and do, doing life with us. You really need help. So if you have a tendency to be too proud, then get over that and find some help. Point number three, last point, okay? But it's a long point. <laughs> so it's filled with the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit himself is the game changer. It's the game changer. So I'll just read this to you, verse 6. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer, false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant to the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimas, the sorcerer, for, that was his for that's what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said, you are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. In the last month, guys, how many of you have left home and forgotten to get dressed? How many of you guys have left home completely naked and been like, got out, you get on the bus, and you're like, oh, you know, I forgot my phone. And my trousers, I've forgotten everything. You know, probably none of you. Hopefully not, anyway. See, the Holy Spirit is the game changer. This situation would not have happened if Paul wasn't clothed and filled with the Holy Spirit. See, what happens there in verse 9, it just... It wouldn't have happened like it did. We wouldn't have seen all the stuff that went on in the following years in Cyprus that would have happened like that if Saul, in that moment, wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. And he speaks the truth out over the situation as the Holy Spirit gave him the words to speak it. And he moves there at a completely different level. He moves at another level. It's with a greater power. It's with a greater authority than he would have just kind of mustering himself up. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And now you've got to imagine that situation because you've got this sorcerer, 
didn't make ketchup, the sorcerer, and he was there. And what he did was give advice and counsel to the proconsul who's there as well, and it's Paul and Barnabas. And they speak into this situation and really hammer the advisor of the proconsul. Well, the proconsul isn't just any guy. He is the Roman on Cyprus. He is the Roman. And sometimes when we kind of do all the history stuff and like the Roman words, we get centurion and consul, proconsul, tribune, all these different things. They kind of just can, we can go through it, gloss over it a bit. But actually... The consul in Rome, there was, they were elected. They were, the, they were the highest elected official you'd ever get in the Roman Empire, the ones in Rome, the consul. There would be two of them. And then in the provinces, you would have a proconsul. So this guy here, Sergius, he is the proconsul, like the highest ranking, total authority guy of the Roman Empire there. And this is a province. It's not like a, like a territory that they're trying to take over. This is a province of Rome. And so he was Rome. When he went into that place, he had to be Rome and bring Rome. But these verses, you know, they end with this man of such power and authority and might, totally amazed, totally amazed. And Paul standing there speaking the way he does in front of a man of such power and authority. But, you know, this guy, uh, Sergius, the proconsul, he's not totally amazed because his advisor has just gone blind or his advisor can't see anymore. He's amazed at the teachings about the Lord. He's amazed at the gospel. You see, there are truths that I think lots of you guys, probably all of you, look at you, you know well. You know these truths well. But... It can be so easy to forget sometimes that they amaze people. So never forget, guys, the power of the gospel to amaze people. I spoke to a, a Western lady the other day, and she was saying to me about Christianity. It's just a bunch of rules, a bunch of rules you've got to follow to get to heaven. I said, actually, it's the complete opposite. Christianity is all about how you can't do that and how it's about how Jesus lived the perfect life. He kept all the rules, and so that God has done everything to bring you to him. And she was totally amazed. She had absolutely no idea about grace. No idea. So you, what you may think is a normal truth. Uh, how do I say this interestingly? For some people, it blows their mind because the gospel, for those who don't know it, is just absolutely out there that the God of the universe would pursue us and give his life for us to draw us to him. This situation that, that we see here, it's a really odd situation with this sorcerer. But then at the same time, we see here the sorcerer could have had the opportunity to shut down the situation, try and speak, shut the situation down. And so we could maybe think, you know, maybe we should avoid him. But actually, if you look at the, look at the writing, it is only through meeting this sorcerer that they even end up meeting the proconsul. It's through him that the connection is made. So they meet him first. And sometimes there's stuff that, using our head, like I said, use your head, point two, that sometimes just using our head isn't going to cut it. It just makes no sense that there's this extra dimension about using our head. There's this logical kind of common sense that we need to tweak 
because there's a common sense of the world and when you meet folk in the world they've got this this type of common sense and it can be easy to carry our worldly common sense into our Christian lives but actually there's a common sense of the kingdom and just to explain that like a lot of you guys know we're, we're kind of in this faith journey at the moment like maybe money for church is running out bit by bit and these kind of things and I remember as we were as we were talking to people about this back home and saying okay look well you know we're trusting God he's going to provide he's going to provide and I said okay but if that doesn't happen what's the plan I was like no that is the plan because often people think trusting God is like flipping a coin but actually if we have a kingdom mindset and a kingdom thinking that trusting God to come through with provision is actually and getting worried about that would be like me working for the Queen of England and freaking out that I'm not going to get my paycheck at the end of the month because she's bankrupt or something like that but the King of Kings is the provider. And so this, this situation with the sorcerer, it's strange that you know, God can use all situations to lead us to the people he wants us to speak to. Could have been easy, couldn't it, for Paul and Barnabas to have been like, this guy, he's a sorcerer, you know, actually, we've come here to try and reach people, spread the gospel, let's go for some easier targets first. Let's not even give them the time of day. But because they give them the time of day, because they meet with him, and they speak to him, it's that, there's something in that that leads him and connects him with the proconsul. And also, when they're in that space where there's the proconsul and there's um, Elimas there, and Elimas actually means wise. How often can worldly wise words just shut things down? Things where people from, will say things and they seem wise, they seem acceptable. People saying things to maybe shut, try and shut you up. Speaking, speaking to a believer and that's kind of what this guy is trying to do. Refute what they're saying. And as a response, we can try to use our heads in this and give an intelligent answer and get maybe, I don't know, maybe you've done it, I have, get flustered and try and argue and reason and get annoyed. But, you know, in those situations, when we're faced with what is supposed to be wise, we need to be people filled with the Spirit who respond as people filled with the Spirit, just like Paul does there. And he responds with wisdom and insight. He responds with this godly, courageous response. And so, guys, be filled with the Spirit amidst challenges. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, he is strong in you and also there's this beautiful thing of the fruit of the spirit remember all the different fruit of the spirit they are there in this kind of manifold way the wisdom of god is there there is just such power in it when we're stepping out into our days full of the spirit it will change your situations and so that scene ends there with the most powerful man on the island one of the most powerful men in the whole roman empire like most likely and it ends where he's positive about the gospel in the island. I think that's amazing that in one meeting, one man, Paul, filled with the spirit, brings radical change. It's the kind of thing that maybe sometimes people could try and spend generations to affect and change. But one man filled with the spirit, one person filled with the spirit, anything can happen. Is being filled afresh with the Holy Spirit a daily priority for you, like leaving the house with clothes on. See, the word says, 
be being filled. It's not a one-off thing. Be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. There's the verse that says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That be filled is this present continuous term verb that just keeps going. He will give you boldness. He's the one who's going to give you guys the words to say. Whatever situation that you may be facing, he's the one who will teach you. He's the comforter, isn't he? He's the one that as we step out into even challenging situations and we're grieving on the inside, we're frightened on the inside, is the comforter to us in that moment. He's the spirit of God dwelling in us. That's just massive. It's huge. So if you change one thing in life, you decide to change one thing today, is don't leave home without the Holy Spirit. Don't leave home without getting dressed in the Spirit. Invite him. Invite him to fill you afresh each morning. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and, f- come, and f- come and fill me afresh today. Pray over your families or folk that you live with. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and be in this place. You know, something significant shifts here. It's a little bit subtle, but something shifts here where up until this point, we see always Barnabas first, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Saul. We, we always see when they're written together, it's written like that. And there's this thing of having your name first as kind of like this respect and honor of seniority in that. And also you'll notice that before this, the earlier verses we just read, use Saul, don't use Paul. But actually you'll notice that from here on, it's Paul. After that moment where he speaks out, It's Paul first. And in fact, you even see in the next verse, it says Paul and his companions, when it's always said Barnabas and Saul in the verses before that. That There's something, I think Luke is just kind of getting at, that there's something about that moment where, I mean, Saul's been filled with the Holy Spirit for a long time, right? But there's something about that moment where it almost leads him to becoming Paul and I, I love how Paul the word Paul the name Paul it means little okay it's just this awesome thing that as he's called little he becomes greater and greater and the truth is guys as we become less and magnify him and be filled with him we become greater not because it's our greatness but his greatness in us that remember greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. He makes us great, not me. We are overcomers because of him. It's not because of our, our own might. Remember, it says not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Smith Wigglesworth, he used to say and pray, he used to pray less of me and more of you, Lord. Less of me and more of you. And it wasn't some this kind of like weird, I don't know, Eastern thing where he like disappears in God or something like that. It wasn't that. It's this thing where he's kind of saying less of less of me thinking it's all on me. You know, take me to a place where I'm so aware that I'm so full of you and that you're so filling me that when I step out, it's not in my energy and my strength and it's not me trying to do all this stuff and that people are experiencing Smith impacting them or James impacting them but I'm so full of you that when I step out and I speak and I operate that you are flowing from me there's a story of Smith Wigglesworth in a train carriage and the guy opposite him just broke into tears and said you convict me of my sin 
from just being there and he hadn't even said anything. And I just find that that is just so incredible, so amazing. And so, guys, we may not be called to go on mission. And maybe, guys, it's to business or it's to, you're a teacher, it's to school, or you stay at home and, and your mum, whatever it is, or, or you're a domestic helper, whatever, whatever you're doing, whatever it is, maybe ministry here in Hong Kong, whatever we do, we can do in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just for a few guys who have like big healing ministries or something like that. Every single person, we're all called to operate and live every day in the Holy Spirit. And that isn't just miracles. It can be, but it isn't just miracles, you know. It's not like, okay, well, if I don't see legs growing back or like things like that, then I'm not really living in the Holy Spirit. It is also a way, it's a way of being, it's a way of doing life. Remember the Christianity, to start with, was called the way, wasn't it? It was called the way. And it's on offer to all of us. And I think it's beautiful, and this picture of us even just little things like the fruit of the Spirit, that gentleness of God flowing out of us, those different things about the name of Jesus, like Sarah sang about, justice, the word justice, and that the actually just go very normal, that when we go out into our world, we can be kind in our own strength, in our own effort. We can be gentle in our own strength, in our own effort, but we can also be kind and gentle in the power of the Spirit and just see his life flow out of us and impact everybody around us. And so in man's efforts, we can spend years trying to do stuff, right? But actually, what man can spend years trying to do in our own strength the Holy Spirit in us can do in days, can do in weeks. And actually, we see Paul and Barnabas, they leave Cyprus after this. They're like, done. And later, Paul says the gospel's been preached everywhere, you know, that he's preached the gospel everywhere. But has everyone heard the gospel at that point? No. But the stage is set for it to spread. What God did through those guys opened the doorway for the spread of the gospel through those towns and cities. Whatever you're doing, guys, do in the Holy Spirit because it's in him that you get the breakthrough. There's a, a story, some of you guys will have heard it, but Andrew Owen, the guy who started Destiny Ministries, that when they got their first building in Glasgow, they, they had this old building, it's an old church building, and the, it was great, apart from the sound was awful. The acoustics were just dire. And so um, they got in these specialists, and it was hundreds of thousands of pounds to lower ceilings and putting like sound deflectors and stuff, and, and no money for that. And so Andrew just sat down one day, just prays, just Holy Spirit. Andrew's a guy who gets up every morning and just spends time with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit just said to him, turn it around. Turn it around. And it's like, what do you mean? He said, turn the church around. And so they got the lectern, put it at the back, and got the sound desk and put it at the other end and switched the speakers around. And the sound was amazing. Completely free. Wisdom from the Holy Spirit for that exact moment. You know, moving things forward. It's just, it's just awesome. That wouldn't have happened if Andrew tried to do it in his strength, his ability, and wasn't engaging with the Holy Spirit. So prioritize him above all things. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this happens at the beginning of Paul's very successful missionary journeys. It's a foundation. This life in the spirit is a foundation that sees everything else. Like he did what maybe some people would take them lifetimes to do, more, more than one lifetime. 
you need the Holy Spirit. And we've all done it, right? Left home without it. We've all lived the day without him. I have. I've lived the day without him. And I can tell you from experience, the days where I start my day intentionally with him, they're awesome days. The extra peace, the extra joy, you know. And when we've sought him, the thing we need to be careful of is so often we can seek him for the fruit. We can seek him for the power. We can seek him for the wisdom, for the breakthrough and the guidance and all these kind of things. But the challenge I have today for you guys is seek him. Seek him for him because it's about relationship. That can't be stressed. It's not about trying to get speak to the Holy Spirit so he does something for you or so he tells you something useful. It's about seeking him for him. As you get close to him, the closer to him you get, the closer to his heart that you're going to get, the heart of God that you're going to see and understand and that you'll grow, you'll grow together and all things will just come. If you think about prophecy, Sean Bowles says this about prophecy, is that prophecy is more about intimacy with with God than it is about anything else because actually as we're intimate with God and we're in that place we hear the secrets and he reveals the secrets to our hearts so sometimes people focus so much on hearing something and less on the one who speaks less on the gift giver you know you'll have confidence for power for any situation not because you've had times where you've seen him come through but because you know him you're so deeply intimate with him who is the healer who who is the mighty power so sometimes people try and do church stuff and pull me up on this if i ever do it people sometimes try and do church stuff whilst excluding the holy spirit and i mean how nuts is that jesus you know jesus he's been said apart from me you can do nothing. How's he with us? By the Spirit. Jesus said before starting his whole, the whole kind of mission with, he said to his disciples, didn't he, the apostles before starting, he says, don't start, like don't do anything, wait. Wait for what? Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. We need the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit should just be that natural state that we live in every day. And so guys, just kind of drawing to an end here, I think some people, when we speak about this, can sometimes don't feel worthy and you need to know that you're worthy. You need to know that you're worthy. Some people can think, okay, well, look, I mess up too much. I, I love God, but I sin too much and I, do, I, I, I don't read my Bible enough and I don't feel like I'm spiritual enough. And, and then... The Holy Spirit, I just kind of feel that he's not, going to, he's not going to spend time with me. He's not going to draw close to me. And we can kind of think of the Holy Spirit as a bit of a delicate flower or someone who's so, so oversensitive, you know, this one, the one who's there, who created the foundations of the earth, who caused light to come out of darkness, you know, that we can upset him to an extent that he, he leaves us because of our sin. But the reality is, guys, if we're thinking like that, it is not the spirit drawing away from us. It is us drawing away from the spirit. That it's like Adam and Eve in the garden, who when they saw their sin, and God's walking through the garden, it's they, they draw away from God, don't they? They go and hide. They try and hide their nakedness. But the spirit 
See, the Spirit of God, if you are in Jesus, what does he see? What does the Bible say? It says he convicts the world of sin. He convicts the world of sin, doesn't it? He doesn't convict the believer of sin, you know? That actually, it's not that Jesus has died on a cross and he's bled for us and we've been covered in the blood of Christ, been declared righteous, and then the Holy Spirit comes and says, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. And sadly, some people still think that, that the Holy Spirit is there to point out mistakes that Jesus has already covered with the blood. But actually, guys, you know what? Because this is huge. This is, this, is, this is such a big thing to get, that the Holy Spirit, when he looks at you, when he looks at you, he doesn't see mess. He knows it, but he doesn't see it. He sees the blood of Jesus. He sees a man or woman who has been declared righteous before the Father, who's been sealed in the blood of the Lamb. See, the Spirit of God that dwelt in the Son also comes and dwells in you and fills you. I mean, that's what Christianity is, isn't it? It's not God who's made us so that he has a... Um, has somebody to share a relationship with or have a relationship with. He already had the most perfect loving relationship in himself. And it's he creates us so that he invites us into that relationship. That's what this all is. You know, Romans 8, 11, it says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. What a hope we have. So don't let the enemy ever convince you that you can be good enough to earn the spirit or bad enough that he will flee from you. You know, actually, if you feel that you're bad enough that the spirit could flee from you, that's a challenge and that's an issue because it also means you feel that you could be good enough in yourself for the spirit of God to look at you and your efforts and say, you are clean enough for me to come and dwell with inside. That's crazy. It's all because of the blood of Jesus. He paid the ultimate price. He paid the ultimate price because we never could. You can never be good enough. You can never be sinless enough. But there is one, Jesus Christ, who is, and he alone gives us his perfect record. So you are good enough. And that's why James in 4.8a writes, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God, guys. There's no, there's no barrier anymore. Draw near to him. Dwell in the spirit. Spend time with him. So how do we actually live out being filled in the Holy Spirit? How do we live that out? Time. I love that word. I love the word time. For those of you who know me, I just, I love time. I think it's a most fascinating thing. You know, that tomorrow on planet Earth, every single human will be given 24 hours and they're going to allot stuff to different things, doing great things and awful things, eating, sleeping, drinking, loving people, sadly hurting people, building things, destroying things, wasting time, making use of time, walking, all this kind of stuff, running, whatever. All kinds of things. What we spend our time doing is what we value. As I always try and be home for dinner with Eliana or at the very latest bedtime, so put her to bed. If I was to say to you guys, if I gave you a million dollars a day, we'll call it US, okay? A million US dollars a day, a day, if you would just spend 30 minutes with me a day, would you do that? Honestly, put your hands up. See, she's listening. Put, put your hands up if you do that. 
Would you spend a million dollars? Do you have any takers? Million dollars? Million dollars for 30 minutes spent with me. We could do anything. Hands up. How about an hour? Keep your hands up. An hour? An hour? For a million dollars. I mean, be honest, be honest. How about five hours? This is five hours, okay? Five hours, a million dollars a day, okay? How about 10 hours? It's still 100,000 an hour. 100,000, we do anything. We go to the cinema, we, go, we could do all sorts of stuff. 100K an hour? Who would like 100K an hour? Yeah? Okay. Sold. <laughs> um, the Holy Spirit, our privilege of relationship with God Almighty is worth far more than $10 million. Honestly, far more than $10 million. So my challenge to you guys today is would you find 30 minutes in your day to spend with him, to draw close to him, to speak to him, to ask him to fill you afresh that day. And sure, we go out into our days and we do all kinds of stuff. We speak to him through the day and like that. We have our relationships with people. We WhatsApp people. But you, I guarantee you, you have no great, awesome relationship with anyone on earth you've only ever communicated with through WhatsApp or one-minute conversations. You've ha- you have good relationships with people that you spent time with, that you've invested time with, and you've spent time with them and laughed with them and like loved with them and and not kind of just said, yeah, given them, given them the time of day. They're your good relationships. Every great relationship you guys have, I am sure, is because you've invested time with them. And so we're just going to have a bit of a response time. Let's make a decision today, guys, to be those people. Whatever the journey is you're on, whatever that vision is you've been thinking about and praying out, these things we've been speaking about those past couple of weeks, whatever the journey is that you're on, the best thing you can ever do is walk it out filled with the Holy Spirit every day. If you're not, you're missing out because it's there. More than $10 million a day, it's right there for you. If today, guys, has spoken to you, maybe just close your eyes in prayer. If today has spoken to you and you, uh, you want to make a commitment on any of those things, maybe it's you're walking this vision out and you're saying, hey, I am not doing this with anybody. I'm not bringing anyone into it because I'm afraid of letting, letting anyone hurt me because I've been hurt in the past with sharing dreams. Do you need to get community around you? Not a team to do it with, but a community to lift you up. Do you need a community of people around you in your vision? Are you using your head? Maybe you need to make a commitment to use your head and being open to help, being open to the practical size of things. Maybe that's you. You need to make a commitment in that today. And I think the most massive and largest of all is making time to be filled with the Spirit, taking it more seriously. That this thing that we've been offered, this opportunity to spend time with Him, the third person, of the Trinity, that he brings us into the presence of the Godhead, that, that we just have this beautiful relationship, opportunity to be filled with him every day, to discover, to just to build that relationship where, where we get so close, our head is on his heart. Like the Apostle John at the Last Supper, where we're so close to him, 
that our head is on his heart, that we hear his secrets, that we hear him whisper his secrets, that we have so much faith in him that he's going to come through, that we don't hesitate to pray for the sick because it isn't on me, it's on him. We don't hesitate to trust for provision because it's not on me, it's on the provider. Guys, if that's you today, I just want you to make an act of commitment by just putting your hand up in the air and I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, you want to make that commitment. Thanks. Thanks. Father God, Lord, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for this moment, Lord, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come, Lord, that we have the amazing privilege of having you dwell in us, God. Lord, I pray for those people here who feel that they need to earn your presence, God. Lord, I just, I break that right now, God, that they would, Lord, if anyone here, guys, today, just repent of that. If you feel that you could have ever, even inadvertently, been good enough for him, that you feel that you could have pushed him away. Lord, Lord, I just pray, Father God, for those people who put their hands up, who are saying, I'm making a commitment to spend 30 minutes with you every day that you would just fill them afresh, God, Lord, that they would see not just a little, but noticeable, huge differences in their lives, God. Lord, let the joy of God flood them afresh. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are the sanctifier. You who sanctify, let develop and grow those fruit inside each of us. Let the gentleness and the peace and the joy and the patience and the love and the self-control flow out of us, God, that we would see our whole environments changed, our schools, our businesses, our families, our homes, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.